This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast with Andrew Jobling, author, speaker, educator, entrepreneur, and AFL player. Join Andrew as he continues his lifelong journey as a student of human behavior. This podcast will help you live your passion, explore your potential, step into your power, and embrace your possibilities. Embrace your possibilities. possibilities. My name is Andrew Jobling and welcome to the Wellness Puzzle Podcast for another week and another incredible conversation. And let me tell you, it's going to be a powerful, powerful conversation this week as I speak to Maria Lessi. And Maria Lessi has got a story and a half and is an incredibly inspiring lady. She's a coach, but things didn't really start happening for her until... June 2018, she lost her husband and the father to her two children. And I just want to read something on her website as a way of an introduction. And she said, I had an epiphany shortly after my husband died. Everything that happened leading up to that moment had prepared me not only to cope with losing Rob, it was the beginning of a journey that was even bigger than the two of us, a journey full of love beyond physical realm, one of hope, empowerment and inspiration The influence Rob has had on my life continues to shine from within and I love watching the seeds grow he planted in our boys. Wow, pretty powerful. This has led Marie to start a movement called Loving Life After Loss and it's for people who've experienced loss in any way and she's not comparing any form of loss. It's a space that's designed to catch people where they are and that they feel safe and that promotes positivity, hope, love happiness after adversity. I tell you what, this lady is incredible, an inspiration, and it's going to be a little bit of a tearjerker, but it's also going to give you incredible hope and inspire you onto wonderful things. So please relax, sit back and enjoy my conversation with Marie Alessi. I'm very excited to be sitting here with you, Marie. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. You're very welcome. Wonderful to have you. And um, you're just saying you've been doing work from your bed all morning, which is pretty cool. I don't you love a business where you can just do it in your bed? <laughs> Absolutely. Look, I mean, with all the homeschooling going on at the moment, I thought I may as well because usually I'm uh, the busy mom working from home but always having to get up in the morning and uh, get my boys ready for school. So I'm really enjoying the upside of this isolation as in being able to work from home and sit in my bed with my laptop rather oh. than having to get up. <laughs> I know how you feel. I'm exactly the same. I love it. I mean, we're at the moment looking at each other. We're on Zoom. So at least we get to see each other while we're talking. Yeah. But I love Zoom because I've got my jacket on top and I'm looking reasonably presentable from the waist <laughs> up. But waist down, I'm wearing my baggy tracksuit pants and my fluffy socks. And Perfect. No, I'm actually really dressed up. So Are I'm you? glad that you're saying we can see each other because I really, um, yeah, I did get up and have a shower and get dressed and it's just for me to be in the right state and that really helps as well when you run a business that you get yourself in the right state and pretty yourself up even if you are working from home. So it, make, it does make a difference for your state. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for agreeing to talk with me because we don't know each other really from a bar of soap. I came across you on LinkedIn. I looked at yeah. your profile. I thought, wow, this is an inspiring lady that I need to talk to and I really appreciate you agreeing to have this conversation with me. Thank you. So, Marie, let's just start with a little bit of the background yeah. So tell us a little bit about, I guess, I mean, your 
not from Australia originally by the sound of things. So where you grew up and what brought you to Australia. And then obviously you've had an incredible tragedy in your life, which has now inspired your business loving life after loss. And so let's just talk in this first section just about, I guess, the lead up to you sort of launching this new business and and what your plans are with that. Yep. So uh, did you want to know what brought me to Australia? You tell me whatever you want to tell me, Marie, honestly. (laughs) Okay. So, well, I make it very short in a nutshell. Like I came to Australia when I was 31 and, uh, you know, for a lot of people it was a wow, starting your life from scratch basically when you are that age. Uh, is a huge step. And for me, it never was. I always had a really strong calling to come to Australia. I can't really explain why. I always explain it as a strong calling. I had the feeling that I was meant to be here. So, yeah, I'm originally from Austria. And uh, so it was 2004 that I came here. And then 10 months into it, I met my husband. And 10 months later, we were married. So if somebody would have told me that I moved to the other side of the world and, uh, you know, meet someone within 10, man- 10 months' time and then get married another 10 months later, I would have gone like, mate, you're crazy because if he's Mr. Right, he'll still be Mr. Right in five years. Why rush it? But when I met Rob, it's just everything just felt right and there was no hesitation and, yeah, we got married and two years later had uh, our first son and another two years later our second son and, yeah, it, we had a really, really perfect life. You know, we have a beautiful house and home and, my husband was working full time. I started my own business. I, that's when I delved into self-development. So I basically started a coaching business in 2011 and ran that basically till I got the devastating news. So that is the very nutshell. In June 2018, I received a phone call while my husband was on a business trip away that he deceased in a hotel room on the other side of Australia. And it was as you can imagine, like it came as an absolute shock. There was no pre-warning. He died of a brain aneurysm in a shower. And Rob and I were really, really connected. We had a really good relationship with lots of ups and very, very little downs. And um, I was so connected to him, I felt when it happened. I know that might sound very weird to some people, but I was actually the one who called the hotel room and said to them, can you please send somebody up to my husband's room? Did you really? Check in wow. the shower. I had a vision of him collapsing in a shower and I'm not a psychic or anything like that, but we were just really connected and I thought, well, I didn't want to see that. And I thought, where's this coming from? It was really strong. So I called and said, please, please don't think I'm one of those freaked out wives stalking after her husband, but please send somebody up to his room and that's where they found him. That's incredible. Yeah. It really is incredible. So tell me. Yeah. I can't even begin to imagine mm. the feeling when they came back to the phone to say that we yeah. found your husband and he's dead. What, well, that what went through your What went through your head at, and your heart and your body at that time? At that time, I have to say it was a very nutshell of that whole day because it basically started at 7.31 in the morning and that sounds very bizarre too. My husband was supposed to ring me at 7.30 to wake me up because, you know, it was technical difficulties with my phone and, oh, my cat's playing upstairs. Ignore the noise. That's okay. Something fell. We'll take it all. We'll take it all. <laughs> oh, my okay. phone. My phone just rang before as well. So you know, this is a real <laughs> profession, a professional, <laughs> a professional production. This is exactly. So anyway, like he was supposed to call me and he didn't, and I instantly had a sinking feeling because I could always, always rely on Rob. If he said he would call me at seven thirty, he would call me, and um, he didn't. So the whole day was a build up of 
anticipation and anxiety and not knowing what was going on and, you know, coming up with a billion excuses in my head, what could have happened and, you know, maybe he lost his phone on the way to work or like in, in the cab or you come up with all these things, what could have happened. But in my heart, I knew something was going on and I started ringing around and then I started, like I called his boss after a while. I didn't even think of that. One of my close friends at the time said, have you checked with his boss? So he called, I called a hotel, the hotel didn't call me back because they've got their procedures. Little did I know that at the time when I tried to call the hotel back because I had alerted them and they found him, uh, there was police and ambulance running in and out of their hotel already at that stage and I didn't know they were not allowed to tell me over the phone. The protocol is that they have to ring local police and the local police was supposed to tell me but we don't have a main police station where we live. We live in a small country town. And so I kept ringing, I kept ringing. And then finally, his boss called me back, said, look, Rob didn't show up at his appointment today. And I knew that's so out of character for him. He would not not show up for, you know, for the bar. So, so finally, the coroner in charge made a decision because he saw me calling the whole time. They were there. The phone kept ringing and ringing. And he finally called me back and said, look, have you got somebody with you? And and then he gave me the news. And it was literally, I can I still remember it so vividly. I was sitting, I was just basically sliding down, sitting on a floor, like sliding down at the wall, you know, I was sitting at the floor and it was like somebody had pushed a massive pause button and my world came to a complete stop and everything around me kept turning. It was quite... You know, my, my my brain was going a million miles an hour because instantly I went to the boys and how am I going to tell them that? And they were sitting downstairs dressed, ready to go to Hapkido. They do martial arts. And and I thought I need to tell them. I, they need to be the first ones to know. I can't possibly share it with anybody else without them knowing. And I just, yeah, I had five seconds to think about how I'm going to break the news to them when I walk downstairs into the living room. And that was probably, without a doubt, the the hardest part in my whole life ever that I had to do, share this news with our sons. So I'm a little bit speechless as to know what to ask you next, but clearly there was a period of total confusion and maybe denial or maybe just it's a bad dream and you're going to wake up from it. When did it really sink into you that your husband was dead? Well, you know, it felt extremely surreal, I have to say that, but there was no period of confusion for me, actually. I have to say what happened for me, and obviously everybody grieves differently, but for me, I instantly went into functioning mode. From the moment I got up from the bedroom floor to walk downstairs to tell my boys, my brain just went like, next step, next step, next step. I knew I had to tell my boys. I sat with them. They cried. They screamed. That was something that I was not prepared for. I did not expect any screaming. It was the worst ever, and I'll never forget that sound. I was holding them. They were crying. You know, they were asking me questions, you know, who's going to take care of us? And I said, I will, of course. You know, I just knew. I instantly stepped into the soul care role, and that means there is no time for confusion. There's no time for falling. There is just time for action, and I just knew that's what I had to do instantly. So the next step for us was to go and drive to his parents' place. They live about 40 minutes away from us. And on the way, I called his eldest brother. I called his sister. I called my mom. 
And then I told his other brother who lives with his parents, or I did at the time, when I got there, you know, I my mum was actually booked to fly out to Australia, believe it or not, because our little one had his first Holy Communion, you know, three weeks after that and um, or two weeks after that. So she already had her flight book to be there for that. And she said, oh, I'll come straight away. And I said, no, I, I just knew that I had so many things to take care of. I didn't want her to come early. And uh, the next day we flew to the other side of Australia to identify his body. And I did that with my boys. I just knew in my heart that they had to see him to believe it. And I gave them the choice. You know, I talked to them about it. I mean, they were only eight and ten at the time. You, you need to imagine how huge that was for them and uh, having to make this decision I knew I had to make the decision with them and tell them what's going to happen and that they can see him but he will I had to explain all these details he will be cold and uh, you know it, it's just details you don't ever want to have to share with your kids because uh, but I knew I had to prepare them for that I thought I can't possibly work into the walk into the mortuary with them and they touched their dad's face and his eyes cold you know that that needed to be prepared and Weirdly enough, just saying that now, I prepared them for it, but I wasn't. I remember that moment when I touched his face and it went through my whole body like a lightning bolt. It was just really unexpected, you know, although I knew it in my head. but You can never be prepared for that. No. You can never be prepared. So, Marie, that was 2018 and we're currently talking in um, 2020. 2020. So, really, it's only two years. So. I mean, you've gone through a lot in that time to get to a point where you've got a business called yeah. Loving Life After Loss. And we in the next, after a short break, I want to talk to you about that transition from a tragic loss like yeah. you've had to running a business called Loving Life After Loss. But I just want to ask yeah. you one question. How do you feel now about it? Right now, as we're talking, tell me how you feel about the loss of your husband and, and what it means for your life and that of you boys. I have to say it was the biggest transition of my whole life ever. It was such a catalyst for what I'm doing now. And uh, I really stepped up massively. There was such empowerment in my process of grieving and stepping up to the leader that I have become in this whole movement because I realized that what I do is so different. My approach is so different to most people. And I realized that the world needs that. So I knew there was huge purpose in that. So I feel very empowered. Wonderful. Wonderful. Because you have, I mean, it is two years and here you Mm. are now talking about loving life after loss. And I (laughs) I know a lot of people who've lost a very, very close person to them in two years. They're still in all sorts of trouble and it takes them many, many years to, me too. To recover. So That's we're going to talk more about your process after the break, but thank you so much for sharing. We'll, we'll be back in a sec. You're welcome. Everyone has a book inside us waiting to be written, and Adri Jobling can unleash the hidden author in you. Have you ever wanted to become a successful author and impact many lives? Andrew will support, guide and mentor you through the entire process and help you leave your legacy for the world. Contact Andrew for a free 30-minute chat about the influence you want and can have. 
go to andrewjobling.com.au to find the author in you. Well, we've both had a, a glass of cold water and we've had a deep <laughs> breath. And now I think it's important for a lot of people listening to this, Marie, that have been through grief. And I guess, you know, hating to say it, will go through grief. You know, you, mm. you hate to say, it sounds like it's almost negative saying, well, you're going to lose someone in your life. Well, the reality yeah. is we're all going to lose yeah. people we care about in our life. And if yeah. we've got some strategies to be able to within a two-year period, now you'll have to tell us how soon after your husband passed that you actually started your movement, Loving Life mm. After Loss. But irrespective, I mean, even two years is an incredibly fast period of time to go from the devastating loss of your husband to that feeling of empowerment. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that process for you. Yeah. So time, I have to say, is very, very relative in particular when you are grieving. So, you know, for some people it happens so fast. For others it's, you know, such a slow and sometimes even ongoing and forever process. And I certainly do have a very different perspective on grief and a very different approach to grief. So as I said to you, you know, I literally went into functioning mode from the very first moment. And a lot of people, for me, it was so surreal. And a lot of people, you know, name these five stages or seven or nine, everybody keeps adding to these stages of grief. And uh, to me, I never really paid much attention to them because I feel like it's literally just a way of you know, society trying to put labels on something that they can't really name, basically. So they're trying to put labels on something and piece it all together and make that grief. But it doesn't really work like that. Even if you want to give it label, if that helps you, fine, do it. But it's not about that. It's about the perspective that you have on grief. And for me, so basically what happened was about, um, so as I said, my mom was booked to fly out. She came. We had the funeral, which was quite an intense experience in itself there were over 500 people in this room and I remember I was standing on stage it was like a beautiful church it had a stage and it had tiered seating and I looked at those 500 plus people and I held a speech the eulogy was a speech about love and connection and I wanted people to take this away from us from this funeral point to have that as a catalyst for change in their life because they all looked up to us to our love, to our relationship, because what we had was so special that people all looked up to us and said, you and Rob, like out of all people, why the two of you? You know, I, I just don't understand. And I knew there was this really strong message that people needed to get from, from the funeral about love and connection. And a lot of people have reached out to me thereafter saying what an impact it had on their relationship, how it shifted things, how it shifted their reality, their perspective, their gratitude for what they have. Because that is that is the missing link for a lot of people. Connection and gratitude, you know, the, the lack in communication is what is always precedes a breakdown in relationships, is the lack of communication and the lack of connection, therefore. So that is the message they took away. And then a couple of weeks into it, probably about a week or two after, I had a nervous breakdown in my kitchen. And I remember it all got too much for me because this whole functioning mode, you know, I've done the funeral and this huge thing and the whole lead up to it and the flying back and forth and preparing everything, it was over because I pretty much prepared everything myself. I had a little bit of help in the booking of the function room and all that, but pretty much did all of that myself. And then I remember that night so vividly and it was such a turning point for the start of this movement. That's why I'm sharing this story. I heard my boys upstairs 
and they were brushing their teeth in my ensuite and they started fighting and he kept just a normal boy stuff, you know, and I uh, asked them to stop and then I asked them a bit louder and then I asked them a bit louder and then they just still, they completely ignored me as, as kids often do when you actually don't mean it, when you're not present with them, when you're not in a moment and you just like stop, stop, whatever, you don't connect. Again, break that in connection that doesn't happen and all of a sudden I yelled, I just need peace and quiet. And as soon as I said that, it was like a valve had opened and I couldn't close it anymore. I kept yelling that sentence over and over again till I started screaming it. And then I was just screaming, pitched on on the top of my voice and collapsed on the floor, like just whacking my kitchen cupboards till it was completely quiet. And I sat there and I thought, wow, this was the most out-of-body experience I ever had. It was like I was watching myself from the outside, but I couldn't stop myself from screaming. And I could feel how this whole build-up just had to leave my body. And I just screamed and screamed. And then when I came out of it, I thought, oh, my God, you know, my poor boys. And I walked upstairs and my little one was hiding under the blanket and my other one was sitting there really quietly on my bed. And I said to my little one, were you scared? And he said, yeah. And I said, me too. And then I talked to both of them and I said, you know how you see someone at school and you talk to the counsellor once a week and they're like, yeah. And I said, I think I need somebody too. And my older one said, yeah, I think that's a good idea, mum. And that was the moment where I knew I needed to get help with this. You know, I'm, I can't possibly, I mean, I can, but why would I if there's help out there? And I contacted a positive psychologist, Emily May, absolutely beautiful lady, that I had on my file, interestingly enough, for previous clients of mine that uh, one of them was suicidal and I looked for a positive psychologist that I could refer on. Little did I know that I would need her one day, you know. Not that I was suicidal, I want to make that very clear, I was not, but I was not in a good state, you know, after that breakdown. And I called her and literally within five days she gave me an appointment, which was so beautiful because she had no appointments left. But I want to cut this really short because I'm going into too much detail here. It's um, It got to the point where I started working with Emily. I saw her probably only for about four or five months. But in this process, the turning point was when she asked me, I said, like, all these people are putting this expectation on me, how I'm supposed to grieve, how long I'm supposed to grieve, when I'm supposed to experience what and in which state I'm in. I'm just so sick of this. And she said... So calmly, she just said to me, so what does grief mean to you, Marie? And I was like, wow. I said, I know this is really odd, but the first, the first word that comes up for me is empowerment. And she's like, that's interesting. Tell me about that. So that's where we started talking about this. And I said, I just felt like it, it was almost like when Rob died that all his strength poured into me. And I just felt so strong and I felt I was giving all these gifts that I had to do something with now. And, you know, ever since that breakdown, it was like, it was almost like a phoenix moment, a rebirth moment. I've got no idea, but something happened in that moment where I felt like, okay, this is my make it or break it, literally. And now go and do something with it. And I did. And I never looked back. I really just went upwards ever since. So that was how long after the funeral was, was that epiphany? Oh, that was probably two weeks after the funeral. So, so two weeks after month, the funeral. A month after Rob died, I had this moment of empowerment where I thought this is what I'm supposed to do with this. You know, It wasn't even about the movement yet. I just knew I had to share 
how I approached it, and that was with positivity. When I stood there and held the eulogy, I said, you have two choices, and that was what Rob taught me. It was his teaching to me. You have two choices in life. You can either look at the sadness and the loss, or you can look at the happiness and the love. And we had so much love and happiness in our lives, so I chose to focus on that. Because that's what I always say to everyone, you know, the connection is in the happiness, not in the loss. People hold on to the loss because they feel like if I let go of that grief, if I let go of the guilt that I feel when I feel happy, if I let go of the sadness, then I let go of the last bit that connects me to my loved one. But it's complete opposite. When you let go of that and allow yourself to connect back to the happiness and the love and the joy that you had together, that's where the connection lies and that's where the healing starts. Wow, that's very powerful. And that can apply not just for loss. It can also apply in relationship breakdowns or divorce, loss of job, loss of income, all sorts of things that same theory can apply. Every every sort of loss, every sort of disconnection, I should even say, like even that. And even when you have like you're going through an emotional, excuse my French, shitstorm, and in a relationship, and you've got things coming. That's up. not French, Marie. <laughs> okay, but um, it's okay. Yeah, you know, me and languages. Pardon that. But uh, you know, whenever you go through that, it's the question of what do you recalibrate yourself around. I just recently did a talk about that. You know, the recalibrating when you are in a good state, you need to recalibrate around what you want to have, and not when you are actually tumbling, when you're actually falling, when you're actually in a really, really bad space in your relationship and then you try to recalibrate but you recalibrate around what's already not good and then you reattract more and more into that. Uh, Abraham Hicks did an amazing speech about that and I just uh, revamped that for my group as well. So it's all that, um, the focus on what you want really, you know, and what everybody wants and people can tell me whatever they want. What every griever wants is healing. Whether they can admit it or not is a different story. Whether they're ready to allow it or not is a very different story. But deep, deep, deep in our hearts, we want to be happy. We want to heal. We don't want to feel sad all the time. But sometimes some part of us tells us that's the only way to stay connected. And and it also is socially acceptable, isn't it? You can't be happy weeks after a loss it's, it's almost like actually expected to be to be thing. miserable for yeah. a certain period of time and who again who puts that expectation on us but that's society yeah society puts it on us so i love yeah. i love what you're saying i think it's wonderful so tell us a little bit about then your business tell us about yeah. loving life after loss and what are you doing with people and what sort of people come and see you and and how do you work with them and how does yeah. I can see you starting to smile, just obviously you're thinking mm-hmm. about it, so it's giving you a yeah. lot of joy, which is wonderful. Yeah. I love that. It really does light me up when I work with people and help them, them heal. It's uh, So basically after this session with Emily, I, uh, I went ahead and wrote a book about it and that had the title Loving Life After Loss. And uh, after that, it literally when it came out on the first day, it, became, it came onto the top 100 list in Australia we got to number 61 and I knew that's what the world needs. The world needs that message of you're allowed to heal. You're allowed to experience joy, love and happiness after loss. You are allowed to love life again. So I knew I needed some time away and some breathing space after all of that, you know, the, the funeral and the writing the book. And I took my boys and traveled around the world with them for two months. 
and uh, really to create new happy memories to get away from all of those milestones, Christmas, birthdays, all of that. And when I came back, I contacted a mentor that I had previously interviewed for my Authentic Thursday series in my old coaching business. And he does exactly what I needed. He helps people to build tribes. So I called Mark Bonnes, his name is. I need to give a shout out to him. And uh, we, yeah, we had a chat and I went ahead instantly and I started that with him. And on the 19th of March 19, I opened the doors to Loving Life After Loss. I took the same title like the book because I thought it's so perfect. It's, it's like a pre-selector per se. When people read that, if they don't feel somewhere in their heart that they want that, they wouldn't even apply or request to join the group. So when they're in the group, and that's what you basically probably want to know the most, because uh, you ask, how do I work with people? So there's different levels of support within the group. And uh, there's also obviously a different price range, but there'll always be the free level of support in the group. When people come in, some of them just want to sit on the sidelines and observe for a while. Some of them dive straight in and uh, share their deepest innerst. Everybody's so different. And the most beautiful part is that the group has now grown to way over 2,000 people in, in the first year alone. And people have really stepped up within the group. You can see the little, I call them a little torchbearers, and they step up and they just jump in as well. And they, you know, they, they give their recommendations. I think you should do this program, or I think you should talk to Marie, or I think you should just, you know, do that. It can be some practical advice or some tools that they have learned in my programs. It's just really beautiful to see how that works quite organically already in the free support. And, and then I offer a program that I really love. It's a 14-day healing journey. And it's quite, I wanted to say a light package, but for a lot of people, it's not very light at all. It goes quite deep. But what I do is I teach one tool each day so they can get a bit of a taste tester and get to know me and how I can help them and how I can work with them. It's a trust-building exercise for me because I want people to trust me when they come on the real program with me. If they don't trust me, that it's not going to work for them, you know, because the real the next level is an eight weeks experience where we go a lot slower. So it's one module each week and a lot deeper. And it's a very handheld process. I sit with people in a group session on Zoom each, uh, each week at the beginning of the week. And then they've got the whole week to go through the homework, write to me. I'm present in the group for all questions and get back to them. I do lives. And yeah, so it's very, very handheld and quite deep, the experience. But in a nutshell, both programs are designed to come from a space of I've got no idea how to ever handle my grief to seeing opportunity and getting to this space of allowing love and joy and happiness back into your life. That's my biggest goal. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. And the group, is it is it a face-to-face group or is this all it's online? A, it's all... So I've got the Facebook group, Loving Love After Loss, but when I run the programs, they are in a different closed Facebook group, so it's really just amongst okay. them. Okay, so it's all online group. stuff though. Yes, Everything's it's online. all online. So the group has gone global very quickly. So we're meanwhile in all five continents and we're after a few months already. So it's really spread and I can see how these people are spreading it in their communities. And um, I'm super excited that we're actually going to run the first retreat that will be in person. So that is really where it comes to the absolute nuts and bolts and body work and really going into whatever is left literally in your, in your cells, all that on the cellular level 
you hold on to grief and that needs to be released. It sounds amazing what you're doing, Marie. Thank Good you. on you. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Let's just t- change tack for a little bit. Tell us, let's talk sure. about your book because oh, one of the yeah. things I do is I, I mentor authors and yeah. people get written, published and get their book out to the world. Yeah. Tell us about the journey of writing this stuff. I mean, how was that, oh. the actual writing process? The journey of writing, it was really amazing. It was very cathartic. I think it's the right word for it. It was very therapeutical. It, uh, it didn't actually require a lot of time. So I actually went ahead and did that with a book writing course that a friend of mine gifted it. It's her specialty as well to, you know, help people write their story and and share it to the world and when she heard about me saying I'm thinking about writing a book about this she instantly messaged me and said I want to gift you that I want to have you in my course it's an eight weeks course I did the book in four weeks I did it in half the time I rushed through it I didn't even rush rush is such a negative word I just flowed yeah it flowed out of you clearly absolutely and that was the thing whenever I really created this space of sitting and allowing it to flow through me, it just came through me. And the actual writing time of the book was about 10 hours, the whole book, and then probably another five hours for sourcing pictures and creating the cover and editing it. But the actual writing time was, yeah, the whole making of the book was 15 hours, which was amazing, and that happened in a course of four weeks and then published it. How did that help you in the grieving process, in the healing process? It was like a letting go process, really. It was like a putting it out there and really, and I also, I wanted to leave a legacy for Rob, for myself, for the situation that we were given and also for our boys. I thought one day when they're old enough, I would want them to be able to read this book and know that it's their story, you know, they're part of it. I'm having goosebumps just thinking about it, but uh I don't want them to read it yet, you know. It's not super confronting. It's just they've heard me tell the story over and over again and they're absolutely okay with it. I'm very transparent with the work I do. I wouldn't have them in the room when I do sessions with other clients because that to me, it's like I feel restricted when they're around, so that's a very different story. But when I do my lives, when I do my talks uh, or interviews like that, you know, when they're in a room, I just don't hold back because they know the story, they're part of it. There's no sugarcoating it. And that's an important thing too. I think that honesty as well and yeah. that and that vulnerability and just being raw and real, especially yeah. as a parent. You know, you, you can't protect you can't do. protect them. Yeah. You know, they've got to, they've oh, got to go through their own journey as well. No. Yeah. So yeah. to say everything's okay and I'm okay is actually probably doing more harm than good. Yeah. No, there was no sugarcoating any of that. Like they've seen me cry, they see me laugh, they see me dance, they've seen all of it and it's all part of life, you know, and I believe that is the biggest message. It's all part of life. A lot of people believe, and that's what society teaches us to do, unfortunately, that once you lose someone that there is no more joy or love or laughter in your life. It's not true. It's uh, what you make it to be true. And I am here to change the face of grief. This needs to change. People need to be allowed to laugh. And you're doing a wonderful job, Marie. You are doing an incredible job. So let's have a quick break and we will be back. Okay. In today's world, telewellness has been thrust into the spotlight. The wellness industry has been growing every year and an increasing number of both individuals and businesses are looking for wellness solutions and services. In order to compete in today's market and give your customers the care and attention they expect, you need a partner in growth. 
Best Being is the first software service designed specifically for the wellness industry. Our suite of highly advanced but easy to use online tools and discovery platform make engaging with your customers and providing the wellness services they need a breeze. Supercharge your business today with Best Being. Go to bestbeing.com slash provider to learn more and get started today. Marie, it's been wonderful chatting to you. Uh, honestly, I'm incredibly inspired. You've, you. you've helped me. I mean, I lost my mum 15 years ago wow. and it took me a long time. And it's it was so true. I was focused on what I'd lost, not yeah. not what I had, not what I, yeah. not the love. And it took me a long time. In fact, I wrote a book about my mum called Dance Until It Rains. Oh, and wow. that was published Beautiful. six, almost seven years after she passed. Wow. And I can tell you that writing that book was one of the most healing things I did, but it also mm. it changed it for me and, and moved it from loss to, okay, what have we got together? I've got her, I've got her story, I've got her memory, I've got her inspiration, and together she and I, you know, since 2011, that's, that's nearly 10 years as we're Beautiful. talking, you know, we've been inspiring people. So she's mm. still doing her thing even though she's yeah. been gone for 15 mm-hmm. years, and I love that. And Rob's the same. I mean, he's been gone a couple yeah. of years, but obviously through the work you're doing and the book you've written, you're inspiring. Yeah. He's inspiring people. It's, it's all about shifting perspectives, really. When it comes down to the bottom of it, it's about shifting perspectives. And then I have to say, you know, I lost my dad when I was 20, so it's going on 28 years in September. And I, I dealt with his death very, very differently because I had, I wasn't prepared, you know. For me, I always say that 10 years in self-development and teaching people about mindset and shifting your perspectives have really prepared me massively for this. But again, I had a choice. I could just fall and go into my shell like society teaches us to do and fall apart. Or I could use what I've been teaching and combine that with my own experience and make this a really, really powerful movement. And my choice was very clear what to do with that. So as we're wrapping things up, Marie, yeah. people that are listening that might be going through some grief at the moment of experience loss in, in some way, it doesn't have to be necessarily a death. Yeah. It could yeah. be loss of something, loss of yeah. money, loss of a job, loss of a relationship, and they're sitting there feeling a little bit helpless, a little bit discouraged, a little bit hopeless. What advice would you give them just to get them up moving forward again so first of all the biggest advice it sounds a bit contradictive but i would say don't take any advice from other people except (laughs) from you of course of course Uh, but the thing is everybody tries to tell you their story their version of grief and it's all what society expects from us how we deal with it and it's not very healthy society has not equipped us in a positive way how to deal with grief so really learn to shut that out. I literally had to shut the door to some people that were swamping me with their advice and trying to, you know, come in where it was just not appropriate. And my way of dealing with it was to go live on Facebook, which was very different to what most people do. Most people contract and go within. I went complete into expansion and went like super transparent. This is where we're at. Please do not come to our door unannounced. I'm not saying that's your way, but find your way of telling people to not interrupt with your process. Make it your own process. Allow that, you know. And um, the other advice is also to get help where you can. 
we often think we have to do that by ourselves. We often feel like we can't possibly let anybody in. Make your choices, whether you prefer to have a really, really close friend, just sit with you and tell them, I don't need your advice. I just need you to sit with me. And that is huge. Somebody to just listen to you and not swamp you with something that you can't handle or uh, actually practice anyway. Isn't so, that interesting about human nature? We, When someone is telling us it. about their problem, we want to, we yeah. do want to fix it. And then that's predominantly a man thing that wants to fix things rather than just yeah. listen. Yeah. And so if you are listening to this and someone does come to you and wants to share their grief or their struggles, just listen to them. That's all they need. They need love, acceptance and support. Yeah. And often literally just saying that, you know, I hear you or this must be really hard for you. I get that, you know, I feel you, I feel your pain or saying things that comfort them. And uh, the one phrase that I never liked was that I'm sorry for your loss. It is so, I know that it's the go-to thing that everybody says, but it's my personal, I don't know, I just can't handle this phrase. It seems so, people say that when they don't know what to say and, and I would say, say something rather than nothing. So it's better than nothing, but it's the whole just listen and just make them feel that you hear them. But feeling so- sorry for someone doesn't help them. It's a distinction between sympathy and empathy. What would you sympathy rather someone empathy. say? What would you rather someone say to you than "I'm sorry for your loss"? I'm here for you. I'm here to listen. You know, whenever you want to cry, just cry. It's okay. It's just the listening part that's really, really important. And uh, and prepare for milestones. That's a big one too. So whenever there was a birthday coming up, an anniversary coming up, I knew that I prepared something for it because grief to me is like a vast ocean. You never know when the next wave hits you in the face. It can come so unexpected or an undercurrent sucks you under uh, and you're not ready for it. So allow yourself to breathe and to be in the moment and prepare for those milestones because they are the ones that you can handle where you know there's a wave coming and do something really positive that honors the loved one that keeps their happy memory alive and not go back into that sadness because that'll come often enough anyway that's wonderful marie you've been an absolute amazing inspiration so thank you for sharing and i'm glad i can actually sit here and look at your face while you're talking so i can (laughs) see that emotion and and the joy that you experience with helping other people okay so people that are wanting help people that just want to talk or join your group or get your support how do they do that yeah. Can I add one more thing? Sorry, there's one more thing. Turn the positive, like turn the negatives into something positive. I have taken Rob's passing day, which is the 12th of June, 2018, and I need to share it with the whole world, and now making it into a global love legacy day. Wonderful. So I will invite people to do something on that day that honours their loved ones, where they can remember the loved ones. And uh, so I'll, I'll share more about okay, that Okay, so that's June 12th. Everyone? June, yes, will from now on be an international love legacy day okay, to brilliant. celebrate happy memories of the one that you have lost. And how people can reach me, there's two ways. They can either come to my website, which is mariealessi.com, or they can go straight to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash groups, and then loving life after loss all in one go. So you, if you just type it in, you'll see you'll it. Find you'll it. find me. And, uh, yeah, there's... 2,000 members and counting. So it's really, it's a very, very safe place to share what you have to share and always have somebody there to hold space for you and send you love. Wonderful. Well, I know Mm -hmm. that group's going to grow. I know your passion and your purpose is to help people all around the world. So I'm sure in the next couple of years, it's going to be 20, maybe 200,000 people in the group. 
Well, you're going, you're going to blow. Process. You're going to blow up cyberspace because there's so many people in your group. I'm actually uh, in the process of rolling out a program uh, to train the trainers so people can now be trained in my modalities and to okay. really grow that okay. into a global. So if you're listening uh, and you're world. interested in that side of things, you might want to be a trainer, then again, yes. contact Marie and have a chat to you about that. Marie, thank, thank you, you so welcome. much for your sharing, so much for your inspiration. It's been wonderful chatting to you and um, look forward to watching your journey as you continue to impact lives all around the world. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, Andrew. I know I say it after every podcast, wow, but I have to say it again, wow. Marie, that was incredible. And right now, more than ever, your message is so relevant and so powerful when people are going through loss at the moment, a loss of a range of things, loss of freedom, loss of income, loss of job, Some people are suffering grief through loss of life. Who knows what's happening with relationships? There's so much loss at the moment that, Marie, that message was incredibly profound and powerful and just want to reinforce to every single one who's listening to find the positive, find the love, find the joy. Don't get sucked into what society sees as the grieving process. Now, I want to really encourage you to connect with Marie. You can go to her website, which is mariealessi.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-A-L-E-S-S-I.com. And certainly go to her Facebook page. The group is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash loving life after loss. And she mentioned that there was around 2,000 members. Well, it's now up to 2.6 thousand, so 2,600 members. So very, very quickly, that group is growing. Her message is strong and powerful. She's an incredibly inspiring lady, and I want to thank her again for being part of this podcast. Thanks again, as always, to my wonderful sponsors, bestbeing.com, that's B-E-S-T-B-E-I-N-G.com, to Fernando and the team. My name is Andrew Jobling. This is the Wellness Puzzle Podcast. I really feel like this was a powerful one and I know they're getting better and better every week and I really want to encourage you to please share it with anyone you know that would get value and I'm sure there's lots of people right now that would get incredible value from this particular podcast. So thanks again and look forward to being with you next week.